Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay. But back then back, they were still writing so, down, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Back to so Reed, Reed Smoot himself was Reed Smoot himself was not polygamous, but Joseph F. Smith was. Um and Joseph F. Smith was in the witness stand for three days, according to Wikipedia. So it was quite a big thing. Cool. I'd love yeah. to get Russell Nelson in the witness. Get back to the bathtub. Yes, the bathtub, please. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so here is an ex-Mormon, anti-Mormon account of what happened there. This kind of hell on earth paper that this guy has written, uh, W. Jarman Esquire in 1884, it is like 80, 90 pages long and it is unreal. It is what I would say, if this guy lived today, he would be podcasting or on TikTok like Corey Hall. Uh, but yeah, he just, he puts it to the sword and he speaks about going to the endowment house himself. Uh, he was a, um, he came to Utah for Mormonism. He was an immigrant and he reads here on entering the endowment house. We present a certificate, da, 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 examines it. Uh, um, just skip ahead. Okay. When all the certificates and names are duly registered and the house is full, we are ushered into a room called the bathroom and ordered to disrobe. 40 men and 60 women had now to get rid of their vast sins by means of a bath. A Mormon order of the bath. I saw at a glance that the first in the tub would get the cleanest bath. For many of my brethren showed unmistakable signs of having neglected their ablutions for a very long time past. Hence, I preferred to take my bath before rather than after them. Can you yeah. imagine? Go on, Julian. Can I just say on, on that, they were, um, they were asked to come to the temple clean. So, you know, it was, I'm not saying it was a, you know, a requirement for entry, you know, they, they, I don't think they did the sniff test, you know, to see if they were allowed in but they were expected to 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 clean themselves before going to temple right yeah you say that you say that i but, just did yeah what well, no, as, as a counterpoint that, you. later on down obviously we we only know what this guy's saying from his account we've we've got the account in the newspaper we've got this account in a moment we've got an account from one of brigham young's wives um but you'll see in a minute what he says about it at least um but he says he wants to take his bath first because can you imagine lining up naked um, around, I don't know, the stinkiest guy in the ward you know, and thinking, please let me get ahead of him, please let me get ahead of him, you know, and then standing behind him and sniffing and thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to get in the water after him. Imagine and the person that has to bath the stinkiest man. Oh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Um, so, uh, so he, he quickly undressed um, and he was first to spring into the bathtub. Here the high priest stood ready to manipulate. He began by scratching into the roots of my hair like a barber shampooing a man. And as he kept scratching away, he said, Brother Jay, by this process, I now wash away um, the unholy thoughts. And he, he goes on, we won't go through the, uh, the actual um, wording, but he goes through his head, his mouth, his ears, like we did before, all the way through his arms and feet. And then having been thus cleaned from all my sins, I was shoved over to another priest, this priest who had washed me, bald out next, <laughs> the sausage factory. Um, as he gave me a push and another victim took my place at the same bathtub and in the same water that contained all of my sins. The priest I was so unceremoniously pushed towards was the ironic priest called of God, um, as was Aaron. It was this individual's prerogative to attend to the anointing business. He took my bottle of olive oil and poured the whole pint into an old cow's horn called the holy horn of anointing. For, uh, first of all, 
he had poured oil on my head um, that ran down upon my beard. And now he goes through all of the um, same points. We won't go through um, what, yeah, uh, what's said. But he says down at the bottom here, um, and this was a point I was getting to, um, Julian, talking with a good Mormon saint whose presence I did not like, especially in hot weather. He told me that he was oiled 25 years ago and the consecrated stuff was still on him for he had not taken a bath since. My apostasy was attributed to the fact that I had washed off the consecrated oil so that the sacred influence refused to stick to me. In addition to the sin of divesting myself of, whole, of oil, all oily substance, I also found that the wedding garment or the garment most uncomfortable to wear and having to sleep with the thing on my rest was so much disturbed I concluded to leave it off. Thus the devil got possession of my body. So he was saying that um, some people would only bath at the temple and that they felt it was a holy protection to constantly have the oil on. Um, so I don't know. It's just different accounts. I would say, I would say that that is probably not very common. Wow. You know, but because people in eighteen eighty four had noses. Yeah, but let's and and you know the whole idea that everybody up until the modern age was really dirty just just isn't true. Just but not let's... true because you know no what you know we don't like to feel dirty you know we so you know back in tudor times people were trying to perfume themselves and and you know making sure that they were nice and clean so i I, I don't think it would be any different you can imagine this being used as almost a i don't wash the oil off kind of like i am a cut above i'm yeah but which is what he said there but i would imagine that the, the the fact that that's mentioned in the text shows that it was an ex- it was exceptional. It was not it was not the rule. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I, I could be wrong. I, I would yeah. imagine if if it was the case, then we would very very quickly after have had some kind of change where people are all going, "Hang on, this is ridiculous." Mm-hmm. I I think I, Julian... I mean this is propaganda. This is propaganda, and he's obviously giving yeah. it as an example of where people yeah. took it to extremes. But this still happens, doesn't it? You still have stories of people's granny who will not take her garment off. Of like, course, she'll yeah. always have her foot with the, the garment on while having a bath or something like that. And again, these, uh, these are not normal for all Latter-day Saints' right. behaviours, but we all know people who have taken these things to extremes and i think one of the dysfunctions in mormonism is that we don't clarify for people you know the general authorities love keeping things vague and that way you do have people who take things to extremes because no one's telling them not to and often they will get kudos for this you know the more um fanatical you are in our church the more people count out to you um and the more you get this hierarchy of holier than thouness you know whether it is we don't take we wear our Sunday best all day on a Sunday and we don't watch telly and everyone has this sort of ranking of of observance of of taking things to an extreme and instead of saying actually that's pharisaical and unchristian you should be ashamed of that our culture kowtows to those people and everyone else feels a bit guilty for not being fanatical enough so I think um, Mr Jarman there is touching on a, a phenomenon that that definitely happens i mean in well, every religious culture yeah. i suppose yeah and and at the beginning of this uh session julian you admitted to being a proper fundy so you would you would have been the guy stinking at the front who was like i have not washed it off since the last time check me out you know do you think my... that he would have managed to have had plural wives though <laughs> <laughs> with my 47 <laughs> wives that's why they had to have plural wives because no one could stand to be with their husband more than one day a month. <laughs> okay, um, speaking of plural wives, talk about a segue. Anne Eliza Young, her account, 1875, she was a feisty plural wife of Brigham Young and she described being literally drenched in a temple ceremony with 
with oil. And she gives her account here. Um, someone mentioned earlier, was it a full pint of oil? Yes. Um, they had to show up with a pint each. If a husband showed up with his wife, they had to bring two. If he showed up with more than one wife, he had to bring a pint per wife. So you imagine that's a lot of oil going around. And it does mention olive oil here, um, that they're anointed with olive oil. But I guess the olive oil shops must have been absolutely making a killing. Because if everyone needs a pint of olive oil every time you go to the temple, that's ridiculous. Um, but she speaks of entering into the bathhouse again, um, the heavy curtain in the middle, um, and that she was washed by Miss Eliza R. Snow, and that she received Miss she was received by Miss Snow, who placed her in one of the tubs and washed her from her head to her feet, repeating the formula. Um, and that she wasn't too impressed with it. Now, at the bottom, if we skip down, she goes through the process we've already um, outlined, but she speaks of her distaste for it. She says, as may be imagined, I was literally besmeared with oil from my head to my feet. I breathed it, smelled it, tasted it. It ran into my eyes and made them smart fearfully and dripped in any but all any but an agreeable manner from my hair. I was fairly saturated with it, was cognizant of nothing else. And I was so nauseated from it that I could scarce go on with the ceremonies. I got a distaste for it then. I have never got over. And to this day, even the sight of it makes me ill. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's minging, isn't it? Um, being totally covered, but I think, it, was that a picture of her, Peter? That's her, yep, and Eliza Young. This is a book called Women of Mormonism, so it's kind of an expose of the, the plight of the women. She wrote a, a biography that was a bestseller. Um, it's way too expensive for me, but um, this one's rather good. It's from 1884, Women of Mormonism, and it goes through lots of their experiences and stories. It's got good pictures, actually. I need to look at this Eliza. One. Eliza Snow, as I understand, it was pretty gong ho anyway. So yeah, was she, was she the one that um, Lucy kicked down the stairs? No, that was Eliza Snow. Was it one Emma of allegedly? Oh, not Lucy. Yeah, Emma. No, allegedly. no, no. The there is there's an allegation that Eliza Snow was kicked down the stairs when she was pregnant and had a miscarriage um, by Emma. Though that has never, I don't think that's been confirmed, but there are various people who've told that story. Yeah. Well, because she was a plural wife of Joseph Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So, fast forwarding to, um, I guess, the 1960s, the ceremonies changed somewhat. And we all, I think everyone here at least, went through um, before 2005 when it changed considerably again. So we all had to do that shuffle from the changing room to the initiatory, um, much like this fella. Sorry, I, I saw this and this absolutely creased me. This is the shuffle. <laughs> this guy has got the same look in his face that I had, questioning his life choices, looking. <laughs> He's just like, what am I doing? But I'll keep going because all my friends are clapping. Okay, so but no, um, we we did the the shuffle. Here he goes again. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. If anyone's listening on the podcast, you just come over to YouTube and watch this. This is fantastic. And everyone, everyone that. <laughs> if you've got to this point and you haven't liked yet that that is the killer shot right there that took some finding that is a like that is a subscribe um do not go away without sorting it out he's fantastic um i apologize oh he goes again gosh that's because i can't work the buttons 1969 washington 19 this is a more the the picture i guess that we're all more familiar with um of the shield so we we are still getting naked still in the buff going to the lenore um cubicle 
and get changed. Put on the shield, which is just a towel poncho. And then you've got to get... It's to like those mystery. hospital gowns that are, that are open at the sides of the back. It's, it was incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what did everyone think when they were first putting it on? Like... Oh, good Lord. Did, did anyone actually think, oh, I wonder why the sides are open? Is that so they can reach in and fondle me? <laughs> I have no you know, recollection. I mean, I must have, but I have no recollection of it. <laughs> No, yeah, well, zero look. preparation. I, I think I, I because I was a bit clever. They they decided I only needed one of the temple prep classes. Not that they actually prepared you for anything. Ooh, so all of this was like, just what the hell is going on? I mean, I, w I was up for it, you know, but it was quite embarrassing as a teenager to be like naked under your poncho and mm -hmm. <laughs> not knowing what on earth is going to happen. Um, I think, I'll, and, I think I'll the only person. No, yeah. No, sorry. Go on, Peter. Go on. I was just going to say there was there at no point did anyone say you are not going to be completely butt starking naked in front of some people at some point in your temple endowments. So I was expecting everything. You know, I was quite disappointed that it wasn't like Dungeons and Dragons. I was expecting runes on the floor and like flaming torches and stuff naked. Um, so to to have it sort of end up a bit after the initiatory like a, a sort of a convention of bakers in a in a rather boring sacrament meeting with some good stories and and very camp pantomime acting um was was definitely not what i was expecting <laughs> well well it wasn't what i was expecting either but we did the we put the shield on we shuffled along and then we went into the small enclosed areas where the attendants would reach in and touch us in surprising places um, with oil and with water. Go on, Julian. No, I was just going to say before you moved on. Um, I think this what you talked about there, Peter, is a really key point here. Um, again, it, it's a roulette, isn't it? It's an absolute roulette because for me, mm. I was you know before I went the, the so I went to the temple um, like I think most um, most boys in the, in the, the church i went prior to my mission um and before i went my dad and three uh, of my older brothers in independently they all were clearly thinking the same thing but they all went through the whole thing with me and they told me wow. everything other than the things mm -hmm. that they would covenanted not to to um, disclose and so you oh. know for me fortunately when I got there, there weren't any surprises. You know, I had been prepped properly. And and I think, um, you know, so that wasn't a shock for me. I, I think I'm probably the only person um, that was disappointed that there wasn't more nudity in the temple. Um, I'd been I'd been given <laughs> a complete, complete warning about it. For people that weren't, that's awful. That's absolutely awful. And, and so... Mm. It should be a, you know, it, it shouldn't be a roulette. It, it should be a condition of going to the temple is that you have some kind of um, preparatory class meeting, interview, whatever. And in that, that interview, you are told exactly what is going to happen. There's no reason not to, mm. you know, unless you want to keep some of the mystique, there's no reason not to because we're told very plainly in the temple the things that we're not allowed to talk about outside of the temple. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think, you know, I was very fortunate. I feel very, very um, bad for people that, um, mm -hmm. that, that didn't have that preparation. I, I've got a very um, a, a good friend that I grew up with um, that I remember talking to about it afterwards. And he said, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know about garments. I didn't know about garments. And I said, look, Surely, wow. you, surely you saw your, your mum and dad's garments. He said, yeah, I just thought they were old people's underwear. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did too, yeah. That's a massive shock. It's like you are going to yeah. have to wear for the rest of your life now. And he had no yeah. no preparation for that. Um, yeah, I think that's really important here. 
Yeah, my my dad um, was he joined church when he was seventeen, only member in his family. So uh, my grandmother eventually joined, but at the time wasn't a member. He went on a mission. He got called to Bristol, and he went down to the mission home. And he said on the first night, obviously there's no MTC back then. The first night, he's in like like a room with bunk beds with the, his companion, and everyone's getting into bed. And they, all these Americans just stop and they're staring at him getting into bed. And he's like, what is going on? And he'd commented or thought to himself, all these Americans wear the same weird underwear. He'd never been through the temple. No one had talked to him about yeah. it. So he's just stood there in his briefs oh and everyone's God. like, where are your garments? He's like, what are garments? <laughs> so then him and his companion got no. shipped off to the London temple for three days. So we had to go through and do like the horrible 1960s ceremony um, with his American companion and like, well, he became temple president eventually. So it can't have been that bad for him. But that for me, <laughs> that was probably have been like the get up and run point. Can I just say something really inappropriate? Um, I promise, I promise, this, this isn't, I'm not speaking from experience. This isn't something that I've discovered myself. Oh, are you um, asking something for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 this, this, this is not something that I've experienced, but I'm, I'm just looking at that picture that you've got there, um, PD, and I guarantee you there is like Mormon porn based around this kind of thing i guarantee you i like say hey, have, you, have you not, not seen it that's not my kink but <laughs> but there must be there absolutely must be have you seen have you seen it it's called mormon girls with a z and they have uh women dressed in temple robes being um i guess speared by uh, the state president and different things and they're all i don't watch porn but they're all kind of saying, oh, president, you know, and they all kneel down in supplication, different things, you know, so I'm told, a friend told me. Was that, was that for research purposes, PD? No, a friend told me that, a friend told yeah. me Because yeah. I know you are very thorough with your research. <laughs> Home alone today, trying to figure it all out. Yeah, okay. Morning girls, fuck you know. Uh, so, we had a great, great opportunity uh, to see recently this process on the big screen in Under the Banner of Heaven. And let's see if we can play this without getting a copyright strike. So here's the process of okay. being anointed. We know what just happened, don't we, Madonna? A woman older than Jesus' sandals just put oil very, very close to my private parts. It took me by surprise too. So the bit that mm -hmm. stood out to me there was not the whole thing happening, but the fact that it is so true that the family member comes forwards afterwards and like, you are right. How was that? You know, we, everyone knows what's just happened to you and they're all excited that now, you know, and it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I thought that was a bit triggering and a bit too close to home. Hmm. Well, you're in the club, aren't you? It's, um, like I, I, you know, when I went through for my endowment in the London temple and I have sort of some immediate family there, but then you look around and there's your state president sitting there with a the baker's hat on and so on. And it, and it was um, before they did the, the revamp on the London temple. So it's quite a big space, the endowment room. It had, I think, a separate tier, like an upstairs almost, I don't know, a balcony or something. Um, so it's, it's quite a big space. And um and it was just like, oh, my gosh, you people have been doing this all this time. And I had no idea. Like, you know, it's all these familiar faces from my stake and state leadership and so on. And you're kind of in the club now. You know, you're 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 like, OK, so this is what goes on. Um, you're as crazy yeah, as they are. <laughs> yeah. And I was I was used to one piece garments in my family household, so I was I was very pleased that they had the two piece by the time I went through as an option. 
oh, we'll um, get there. And it's yeah, and just it. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing, and and it has all. You can see it has all these social purposes. You know, it's like hazing. It's like being initiated into something secret and weird, and you you kind of have that kind of buzz to it. Um, but it's all psychological manipulation, you can argue, and 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 also just how utterly different it is to anything else that happens at church. You know, our our normal services are pure puritanical. They are pared down with the the absolute minimum of fluff. You know, our our sacrament prayer is super basic. We don't have smells and bells. You don't have the Catholic rituals. You don't have um, particular costume or anything like that. Um, we completely ignore the mostly the the Christian liturgy of having all these different things at different times of the year. I mean, we do Christmas and Easter, but apart from that, so we're we're used to a very very puritanical Protestant culture with very little arts and so on in our buildings, and then to go to the temple and you have. And it's still really basic. I mean, you know, that Freemasonry is way more elaborate than what we do there. It's very, very pared down, you know, the Masonic stuff. The costumes are really, again, super basic. You know, they're, they're, they're weird, but they're not over elaborate. You know, it's really simple stuff, which I quite like. You know, it's all about the meaning rather than fluff. But still, it's it's this whole different world. It's a completely different way of doing worship and, and thinking about things and and particularly the initiatories and the garments is obviously extremely personal. Um, it's it's quite a shock. It takes a while to kind of process and get your head around. Um, yeah, there's a lot to say about it as a manipulative sort of initiation into a, a closed group uh, and, and such like. But it also feels like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do, you know, all my friends do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's a really good example of how the church puts something out there with no explanation and just expect you to find the tools to process it in some way. You know, in our, you just said there about our um, our experience generally is the same each week. We um, pat ourselves on the back of the fact that you can go anywhere internationally and find the same sort of church experience every Sunday. We're not um, created or not created. We're not we're conditioned to not be creative or um, be diverse in our expression of faith or worship or anything like that. And if we, we can sniff it out in a second, if there's a prayer that's not orthodox or if somebody comes to a baptism and does their own baptism kind of format or, you know, happens to sing a traditional song. We once had one in Chelmsley Wood where we had this brilliant African family that would just bring out their eight-year-old children whenever, get them baptised, and then you wouldn't see them again. But they had this amazing traditional um, song, which was amazing that everybody everybody kind of tolerated it because, oh, that's not the norm that we would sing, not a song from our hymn book. And I just love the fact that they would come out unabashed and, and do it their way. But we are not we are not made to, to ex be accepting of that to uh, understand that and so for us to go and experience something really different at the temple and just be expected to be okay with it is really quite a traumatic thing we don't do creating spaces for people to process or talk it through or even really discuss it and I think that's one of the worst things that Mormonism does to people and, and it's another example isn't it of where the, the house always wins you know because a lot you, there is this expectation that you're going to go there and you're going to have this wonderful experience and, and of course if you don't that's your fault it's yeah. your fault if you don't go there and have a wonderful experience it's because you weren't properly prepared mm. you're not spiritual enough you're not righteous enough what whatever it is you know you you you, you didn't bring what's that famous talk about coming to sacrament meeting with the you didn't bring a, a large enough vessel to to yeah. take all of this kind of spiritual um flood yeah yeah aren't aren't you the unprepared um bride or whatever it is with the oil and the lamp you know you, you didn't bring oil for your lamp so mm. you didn't see the light and different things there's mm. there's so many different analogies they use to put us down and to you know oppress us as being it's never their fault no it's never their fault 
Um, so the the current Washington United has changed. So 2005, it changed to where you still wore the shield, but you put your garments on underneath. Okay, and then I think they just anointed your head and your mouth, and now it's totally changed. Now, um, in 2019, the shield was eliminated. And the person changes in the locker room into his or her garments and puts on the white temple outfit. So you put on your full shirt, tie, dress, um, and then goes to the anointing booth where only the forehead is anointed. And these changes have given rise to a number of questions about the eternal nature of the ordinances Brigham Young, Brigham Young declared. Um, Laura, in true Sunday school fashion, oh, I've not put it up on the screen. In true Sunday school fashion, this paragraph here beginning, has the Holy Catholic Church. Could you read that for us, please? I would love to. Thank you for asking. Mm. Has the Holy Catholic Church got faith in Jesus that we have not got? Not a particle that is true and pure. But as for the ordinances of the house of God, we say that the mother church and all her daughters have transgressed the laws. Every one of them. They have changed almost every ordinance of the house of God. There is but one mode of baptism, and that is by being immersed in the water. Okay, so Brigham Young is referring there to the fact that the Catholic Church had gone from full immersion to sprinkling on the forehead. But we see now mm. that the Mormon Church has gone from full washing and anointing to simply washing and anointing the forehead in the same way the Catholic Church and other churches strayed from um, full immersion to baby sprinkling. So that's just another example of how nothing's new. It's all just a remix and everything goes the same way, making it easier, making it more convenient and making it more palatable, possibly for, um, you know, the, the sensibilities of the day. Um, I didn't I know they'd made that change in 2019. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Because I've not been to the temple. I mean, obviously. I don't know when did I get excommunicated a bit after that, but um, the yeah, well, how boring, how utterly pointless because it, it's obviously meant to be based upon the the anointing in the of a priest and described in the Old Testament. Um, you know, they could judge it up a bit more than just chuck a bit on your forehead. I mean, what's the point anymore? That is really interesting, Peter. Event go on, Julian. I was just going to say that that is a really interesting change. I I wasn't aware of that either. Mm. Um, I, I can understand. So when they changed it to the last time I did initiatories, they changed it to wearing your garment with the shield kind of sewn up along the 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 um, yeah. the sides, and they're yeah. just washing and anointing your head. So I I'd, I'd done that. Um, for them to change it now to you wearing everything, like sorry, the the point I, I was driving towards was that I could I understand it, I understand it, I understand why they made that initial change because people may have felt embarrassed about being naked under the shield and not like to be touched and you know it was too. I mean, look, let's let's be honest. I think I think that change probably had much less to do with um with the church being sensitive to how people may have felt and probably had much more to do with how it exposed them to possible um legal reprisals you know yeah. it, it put them in a position where you know that was probably a little bit too dodgy that that people could could kind of come out and claim that they'd been touched up in a temple and, and I imagine that was what it was to avoid litigation, not to make it a more comfortable experience for, for the yeah. patrons, I, I would imagine. Um, so I, I can understand that change. But this 2019 change, again, it seems like the only purpose of it is to just push everything along. Just, just get them through as quickly as we can. Um, stop messing around. You know, again... It doesn't make any sense if we're going along that if, if we're going to completely take out the personal experience from it mm -hmm. then why doesn't the, the prophet just say you know i do this for and in behalf of everybody that has died yeah amen yeah what's the what's the point in kind of yeah. uh, streamlining it i mean and every time they do this 
so there's a section of us that are left scratching our heads saying, I don't really understand what this is all for. But there's other people that um, other people that will look at this and say, we need to get back to the original. And every yeah. single time they change, they then find people in common um, with a common thought process to themselves. I've been listening to a, a podcast called Mormon Renegade, and um, it's Dave Sanders does a great job with it. And um, he was interviewing Moroni Jessup the other day, and they were talking about differences in the temple and why they then decided to um, some some have decided to leave the LDS tradition and move into kind of more fundamental roots because of the temple changes. Um, and during the episode, he mentioned that um, a Joseph Smith quote, which is in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith on page 214, he says, men and even angels can be judged false if they contradict a former revelation. And also on page 368, if any man preach any gospel, then that which I preach shall be cursed. So the idea for them is cut and dry that if you are going to change previous revelations around the temple, you're going to change it, then you are falling into apostasy. For them, it's 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 black and white, and so they will remove themselves from active, actively looking for an LGS temple recommend because it means nothing anymore. Yeah, well, I foresee the day when you have the one desk with Ethel stood there checking your recommend, and then you take five steps, and there's another desk with Dorothy and she's got a lot of lovely stickers and she just says you're anointed now you're anointed and you're anointed and if your sticker drops off you have to go back and get another one re-anointed no they can just stamp your hand but you can never ever wash it off for 25 years oh yeah yeah stamp your hand in there. <laughs> awesome again shaking the bucket for likes um if you can and uh, subscribe if you've not already the evolution of the temple garment. So we were speaking earlier about oh. the onesies. Um, and so Mormonism Live did a whole episode on the temple garment. And yeah, go and listen to that for a really in-depth view of the garment and its evolution. But here we'll just look at this one slide. 1842, you've got the full union suit um, with a collar and ties and a lot and it's just hot 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 i'm intrigued at the difference in shape of mormons over a period of time like suddenly their crotches are so low evolution <laughs> <laughs> yeah like... <laughs> i mean in that diagram it just shows they got shorter they didn't go to the ankles anymore did they ah oh, correct that's yes. why that's changed it... in the drawing in the drawing I thought they just got really short legs. <laughs> yeah, it's an aspect ratio thing. But can we see 1842? Can we see why Joseph Smith and um, Hiram and John Taylor had decided in, was it like June time when they were killed to um, not wear their garments to jail? Like if I'm going to be sat in a stuffy jail for however many weeks, I'm not going to wear my garments because that is just... Like they won't have been wearing like was it the Corbin or the polycotton that was all breathable, the silky stuff. Mm -hmm. This will have been like just heavy material underneath what you were already mm -hmm. wearing. I, w I am interested though. Um, that other than the markings that are in it, I wonder how it differed from underwear of the, the time. Mm. Look. that's a good question no i, I mean certainly but, if you look but, if you look at the 1842 to 1975 um you know take away the collar and of course the markings and you know that that looks like the kind of it, look, it looks a bit like the kind of underwear that you see in every kind of western um film but, but you can imagine that in winter it would have been different so in winter, you'd have worn that underneath everything because there was no central heating and different things. But imagine in summer not having the option. I'm sure in summer there must have been some other shorts. Are they are they just um, knee length undergarments? Eighteen hundreds underwear. A very risky thing to Google. I'm saying I'm I'm giving it for us. Oh look, there we go. Whole whole body things in that one. For men okay. and women. 
so yeah so it would would kind of a union suit so it would kind of represent what was perhaps normal at the time for underwear yeah. but during a hot summer if you had the choice would you wear long johns i guess is my so they've got knee length and uh yeah armless ones there mm. probably made out of wool as well yeah which would feed into the stories of people being burnt everywhere but where their garments were because wool's fire retardant mm. Um, so yeah, next time someone How about cynical. Story. Oh, come on, guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but the, the, the holy garment, the protection from evil. And as we mentioned there, a protection, a physical protection from harm. Um, and I read that the myth of physical protection from harm comes from the fact that only Willard Richards had his garments on in the Carthage jail and he was the only one that came out unarmed, unharmed and unarmed. Yeah. And and it was Brigham Young that 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 it, kind of began that myth. Yeah, yeah. Because Willard Richards, according to some people, was the actual shooter, which is why he was the one that didn't get shot. <laughs> I was gonna go in there and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's some some thought there. But we we can see the evolution. Um, but I think we're going to see mm. more evolution. You know, we this doesn't go into the the total, I guess, nuance of what's going on. But I'm sure the arms are getting shorter. Do the ladies are they all? Do they have cap sleeve now for the ladies? Um, I'm sure there's there's so many different styles now, and different materials um, that the church all is right. really. You, they definitely can get cap sleeves if you put them in the tumble dryer lots. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, put them on a boil wash. <laughs> I think, I mean, there were some changes. They they have listened to women. There were some changes recently um, because a lot of women were complaining about yeast infections and things like that from their garments. So they've definitely made some adjustments actually listening to women. which um, And also the garments now... Um, you can have the symbols printed on them rather than sewn um, for women's ones, at least. Uh, really? Because, yeah. So that can, yes. So because that can be painful or, or cause rashes. Yeah. So they're actually printed on now. Um, so you don't. That helps as well. Otherwise, you're you're aggravating sensitive areas with with the with the embroidered symbols. So there has been. You know, they are listening to women. Mm. How long would that print last? Because we've all got jumpers and things like that that have got, um, you know, the plastic markings on there. So as soon as they fade out, you're going to have to buy them a lot earlier, aren't you? I, I heard that all the markings were now screen printed. What did that mean? That they've yeah. gone away from um, embroidering. Mm. Um, and, and that you can get garments in different colours. Someone mentioned just a moment ago, Jeremy Brown. Um, about seeing uh, gray, uh, green and blue blue garments. Mm. I had a friend who is a cop in Canada mm. and his wife would buy him black t-shirts and sew the symbols in herself so that he could wear the black t-shirt and didn't have to wear an extra shirt underneath. He could just wear his black t-shirt, then his vest and his shirt. Mm. Um, so... so um, I think it was as early as the 1920s, I think maybe, maybe a little bit later than that. I can't remember. I think it was with Malvin, um, Malvin J. Ballard when he was with, um, an apostle um, that they looked at the possibility of getting rid of the garments altogether, except in the temple. So in the temple, they would expect to be expected to wear them and... Um, and, but they wouldn't have to wear them outside of the temple. And, and I think that they'd looked at it that you know long and long ago, and were very close to kind of making that change, and, and they kind of backtracked from that. I think that's where we're going. I yeah, I, I think so as well. There's... Something that you really used to tick me off was when people would talk about um, the garment or the part that the kind of like the function of the garment being to preserve modesty mm. um which i think mm. is nonsense you, you know because again if you look at how it's changed over time 
you know that's you know that was to do with practicality and 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 differences in in um in kind of clothing styles but i can't imagine at the time the the people the, like the the church leaders kind of saying oh well actually you know it's okay i'm, I'm saying this now i suppose in victorian times it probably wasn't okay to, for a lady to show her wrists or her ankles or whatever but anyway the the, the point is the same the the garment the the kind of uh the way that the garment is worn is not about modesty because of course the garment sits differently on different people depending on your size you know so so for one person it might come down to their knee and for another person it might be a good you know three inches above their knee it's yeah. not about, it, it wasn't about modesty i think well mark crispy well, i mean it it all it all all just shows that you naughty mark um it all just shows the hypocrisy doesn't it of of that oh we we you know jo joseph smith saying these temple rituals are have not changed since the garden of eden i have revealed them to you they cannot change or that's a sign of apostasy and which is obviously they've changed radically so what does that mean and the 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 association with modesty that they have changed them they have made them shorter on the arms and the legs in response to evolving fashion norms and so on um and so you know well well which is it going to be guys you know either mean it or don't but stop pretending you mean it and then do the opposite and and, and with all of these changes it all yeah and it also begs the question well what about all the people who went had their own rituals in the old format you know particularly for which we'll get to in an, a future episode i'm sure where they've changed who women actually make their covenants to or or have they whoo, we'll get to that but um well couldn't women who went under the old system of making promises to their obey their husbands and so on um, or making their covenants to their husbands rather than to God, couldn't they say, well, can I have the new endowment for myself, please? Because we're, we're I mean, I went through when I've, I've made vows that I will have my throat cut and my heart cut out and my bowels disemboweled if I reveal the things I'm not meant to from the temple endowment. You know, that's, that's the covenant I made in the temple. Is Trigger that still a thing? And they never talk about this. They they never sort of address any of this. There is no format for conversation. And and it's this secrecy thing. You know, we were talking earlier about you get initiated into this club, but then you can't ever have a conversation about it. Technically, you're meant to be allowed to talk about the temple in the temple. But where do they allow that? They shush you if you start having a chat in the celestial room. And then after that, everyone's getting changed and leaving. You know, there isn't there. It's they offer this idea that you can just ask any questions you want to about the, the endowment in the temple. But there is no format for doing that, particularly unless you book an appointment with a temple president or a matron or something, which some people do. Um, it's there. And, and the rest of the time, it's completely taboo to discuss. And it's just putting everyone through this weird stuff, making them value it as the highest pinnacle of their religious lives, an obligation to try and do every week or every month or whatever your stake is nagging you to do at the time. And and people sort of go through this whole thing, but they never have the opportunity to question it or discuss it or find deeper meaning in it through discussion, through through talking about, well, what does this mean? What does that through exploring this this amazing heritage and religion of ritual of the animist traditions that we're we're absolutely channeling um and it just feels such a shame that people are being sold a crock they're being sold this thing as the most important thing ever but given almost nothing to actually work with in framing it in understanding it in in it actually having meaning to be worth going and doing several times a year for the rest of your life um it's it's just very frustrating and and this headlong rush now to defenestrate it of anything interesting it, you know it's mm -hmm. it's a missed opportunity it's a, like so many things in the church today sadly yeah yeah well 
Oh my gosh. Sorry, I've just. Right. Seen... It's all worth it if I don't have to wear a one piece garment. <laughs> Those things yes. are freaky. <laughs> <laughs> a member in my household always used to wear a one piece garment, and I used to look at the back of it and think, is that where you climb in? Um, but that's where things climb out, isn't it? I right. Know, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so the mood around garments. Obviously, in this 21st century, everything is online now. And everyone, even like us now, we're creating content. And this video here that I chose, as well as being soft Mormon porn for you, Julian, um, is a group of Mormon mothers in Utah. Welcome to the new Utah content house. So they've all left their children with the Relief Society and got together in their new uniforms, which are these yoga pants and crop tops. Uh, but these girls have like millions of followers. They've just gone through a big scandal, if anyone knows them, because the one in the middle at the front took things um, a bit far and started sleeping with the other's husbands. But um, yeah, it's just this, this kind of thing that the church, I think, don't have a hold on at the minute, because all these mothers, are celestially married or were and are dancing around in in their underwear and making it i guess normalizing not wearing garments and uh, that's their kind of lounge wear so we, as as obviously being very removed from um utah salt lake provo culture you know i grab what i can from real housewives of salt lake city and you know but i don't understand the mechanics of it are these five when they're doing their tiktok videos are they advertising yoga pants or are they talking about being mormon women able to wear yoga pants uh so no they're they just do dances sexy dances right and we know and that they're all active they're like they are they're kind of so they get a lot of questions aren't you mormon why aren't you wearing uh, underwear okay so they've said you know yeah we are mormon and oh. we we don't wear it all the time basically is what they say and i had a niece who just served a mission in norway and she said that one of her companions from utah said oh yeah when i get home i won't wear my garment unless i'm going to the temple or church or an event you know but on a normal day to day i won't wear it and i think the church has begun to soften their view of whether or not to wear it 